Now we have the privilege of opening God's word together and allowing it to speak to us the words of Christ this morning. Mark chapter 8, this morning. So take your Bible and find Mark chapter 8. I will be expounding on verses 14 to 16, a small chunk this morning. But as you know, if you've heard me preach, that it doesn't take too many verses for me to fill an hour. I'm not going to preach for an hour this morning, I promise. Could, though, because this text is extremely weighty. How the message this morning is a warning for the church. Begin by reading Mark 8, 14 to 16. Follow along with me. The word of God says, And they had forgotten to take bread. And did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he, Jesus, was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out! Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. How many of you know what happens in our small town of Carnation every Wednesday at noon? A loud, obnoxious alarm. Can you guys hear from where you live? Okay. Okay, so if you don't know what this alarm is, let me report to you what it's supposed to do. 16 miles from our little town of Carnation... The city of Seattle owns and operates the South Fork Tolt Reservoir and Dam. It stores 19 billion, billion gallons of water to supply drinking water for people in the metropolitan Seattle area. A 200-foot-high earth-filled, earth-filled dam was built to contain this large reservoir. I was really shocked when I heard that detail. Now, here's from the website. The Seattle, Seattle, uh, City of Seattle website says, In the unlikely event of dam failure, water from the reservoir may inundate the city of Carnation. Ooh, what does that mean? In the unlikely event of dam failure, high water in the city limits may exceed 13 feet. Within a short period of time. 13 feet. Some of you who live in uh, North Bend are thinking, man, I'm glad I live there instead. They go on to say telephone lines may be taxed, so contacting local governmental authorities is not recommended. In other words, don't call us. We ain't coming. Instead, Carnation residents should heed the siren warnings. Heed the siren warnings and go to the evacuation areas. Now, though I really hate the sound of that siren every week, even after four years of living here, it still startles me every time I hear it. I'm surprised by it. But it only takes me a few seconds to get over my displeasure. Because in the unlikely event of a damn failure, I would want to know what's coming, right? I would be extremely thankful for that warning 
in case the dam did fail. Because those warnings for natural disasters are necessary because they prevent loss of human life, right? I'm from the Midwest. We would hear warnings of similar tone in case of a tornado. People who live on the coast probably hear the same kind of warnings when there's a hurricane coming. So I'm glad that they have these warning systems in place because it could save lives. But you know what's more important than those sirens? Are the warnings that Jesus Christ gives to you in Scripture. We need warnings for natural disasters, but you need a warning for supernatural disasters more so. In our passage today, the Lord issues us a stern warning regarding the potential threats to your soul. Here in Mark 8, 14 to 16, Jesus draws a hard line in the sand. Here we see an occasion where Jesus is very black and white. Here we see an intolerant Jesus. He is very intolerant toward a certain group of sinners. Here he openly calls out by name two groups of men that were a bad influence and a threat to the gospel. Here he issues a warning to his own disciples whom he loves. It's a warning about the evil influence of the Pharisees and the Herodians. He issues this warning lest there be any ignorance regarding the threat their spiritual life. In the same way, this passage applies to you today. Because we're surrounded by unbiblical teaching and wicked people day in and day out, aren't we? And they pose a threat to your soul more than you know. Jesus said, beware. Watch out of these threats. What are the threats that followers of Christ are susceptible to? There are two of them. The first is man-centered religion, and then man-centered living. Before we get to those, consider the context here. Verse 14, they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf with them. Now remember, this part of Scripture comes right after a miraculous feeding of the 4,000, right? And then immediately after that, the Pharisees come out to attack him. And then immediately after that, Jesus issues this warning to his disciples. So it's very, very rapid fire, remember? That's how Mark is writing this. Mark says they had forgotten to take bread. Which tells us, it implies that apparently it was their duty to ensure that they had provisions for the road. The onus was on them to make sure they had enough food for the road. The Lord had delegated to them the responsibility for the physical needs of himself and the disciples. But they forgot. They neglected. They overlooked their duty. Likely because they were distracted with what they had just seen 
and the intense altercation between the Pharisees and Jesus in verses 11 to 13. Now, this may seem somewhat innocent of the disciples, right? I mean, big deal. They forgot something. But what comes next reveals to us that it's, it was a big deal. Because forgetting the bread reveals a level of unfaithfulness about them. It reveals that they were absent-minded. And that's a small, important detail because what was entrusted to them was neglected. And if it was excusable, then Jesus would have let it go. He wouldn't have used this opportunity for a very weighty, serious teaching moment. Now, as a side note, we must ask ourselves, what responsibility has the Lord entrusted to us? The Lord entrusted the responsibility to the disciples of making necessary provision. And they forgot. What responsibilities has the Lord entrusted to you in his service? And how often do you forget? You know, it's so easy for us to remember our next hair appointment our next doctor's appointment, our next soccer practice, the next Seahawks game, the next weekend getaway. But then you overlook a commitment that you made to his church. A commitment to Christ's church is a commitment to Christ. If you make a commitment to serve in the nursery, you show up. Make a commitment to bring something to the potluck, you do it. It's a small responsibility, but it garners and demands a teaching moment. Because failing to live up to responsibilities given to you by the Lord reveals an internal struggle you have. A man cannot serve two masters, right? He will either hate the one and love the other. It's the same when it comes to the ministry to which God has entrusted to you. The disciples forgot to carry out this duty. And Jesus did not say it's no big deal. Don't worry, bro. We got it covered. Eh, it's just church. It's just food. We'll figure it out. No. He doesn't do that. He uses the men's absent-mindedness as they teach an opportunity. That context leads us to the first threat to your spiritual life. Here's what you need to be warned of. You need to be warned of man-centered religion. Man-centered religion. Look at verse 15. He was giving orders to them, saying, watch out, beware of what? Of the leaven of the Pharisees. The tense of this, of this verb, giving orders, it, it means that 
He was giving continuous orders. He was speaking authoritatively to them. It was an ongoing thing. You know, you say, I'm raising my kids in so-and-so area. It means that, you know, it's an ongoing thing, right? Raising your kids implies that you are constantly spending time with them, teaching them, admonishing them, correcting them, and such. The tense of this verb indicates the same thing. He was giving them orders. It was something he was doing often. Like a commanding officer in the field of battle, Jesus was commanding his foot soldiers to be warned. Other translations say he charged them, he warned them, he commanded them, he cautioned them. It's All of those translations are fine. Mark wants you to understand the lordship of Jesus here. The Lord does not ask people to do anything. He tells them. What does he say? He says, watch out, beware. I want you to note that double caution there. That double caution underscores the seriousness, the gravitas, the weightiness of what he's about to say. Watch out in this context. It represents mental perception. He's saying, open your spiritual eyes, be spiritually alert, because there is something dangerous out there. He is telling them that there is an encroaching threat out there. I remember growing up in southern, southern Illinois, my, my uncle had this large wooden structure that housed straw. And especially in the spring, summertime, my uncle would sternly warn me. He would say, Carl, if you're going to go play in the hay bales, you better watch out for snakes. Because they like to nestle and crawl into these hay bales to escape the weather. Now, how foolish would it have been for me to disregard my uncle's warning? I might not be here by now. I might have died by a snake bite. And so Jesus is saying the same thing in a similar way. Watch out because there are poisonous threats out there. Beware of them. Beware. It speaks to earnest um, contemplation of a present danger. So open your eyes. Be alert. Contemplate what's out there. Don't forget it. Jesus is calling for spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment. Do you guys know what discernment means? It means that you have the responsibility to be exclusive. You have the responsibility as a Christian when it comes to the gospel to be intolerant. You need to have your discerning radar on 24-7, 365. Now, these dangers, he uses a very vivid illustration to help us understand how it impacts us. These dangers, they're like leaven or yeast. You know what yeast yeast or leaven does when you're making bread, right? It's what causes it to, to rise, right? 
Now, I looked up a recipe for bread. I don't bake bread, so I, I was curious. For a loaf of bread, all that's needed is something like a quarter of a tablespoon. A, a very, very small amount. You mix it into the bowl, and it spreads unseen into the dough, which causes it to rise. Obviously, Jesus is not talking about literal bread here. He's using this in a medical for, metaphorical sense, a symbolical, symbolic sense. Leaven is picturing the, the pervasive, corrupting influence that works beneath the surface, unseen, from within, and like yeast in dough, permeates the whole person. So when leaven is used as an illustration in Scripture, it's meant to paint a picture of the evil influence of false teaching and immorality. Just a little bit of false teaching, just a little, has enough to spoil the whole man. Just a little bit of immorality is enough to spoil the whole man. So watch out, Jesus is saying. Watch out of the leaven of the Pharisees, the influence of the Pharisees. Now, Jesus is calling out the Pharisees because of what? Because of their man-made religion. In other words, man-made religion involves corrupting false teaching that preys upon people who have their guard down. It's legalism, traditionalism, sacramentalism. Religion of works. We know for sure this is what Jesus is saying because in Mark 7, remember what happened? Jesus sharply indicts the Pharisees for forsaking the word of God in order to what? Keep their traditions. So watch out for the traditions of men. Just a little bit of tradition that contradicts the gospel will spoil the whole man. Now, is the leaven of the Pharisees a threat to you today? Is it? You better believe it. Let me illustrate this. Ligonier, Ligonier is the ministry of the late Dr. R.C. Sproul, one of the best Presbyterian preachers, theologians of our time. He recently passed away a few months ago. They, they conducted a survey called the State of Theology, where they surveyed a group of evangel professing evangelicals about what they believe, about ethics and theology. Listen to this. I'm not making this up here. 52% believe everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. 69% disagree that even the smallest sin deserves hell. 51% of professing evangelicals agree that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 
get this one. I don't know whether to laugh or weep. 78% agree that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Now, if that statement doesn't cause you to freak out mentally, you have leaven in you. Seventy-eight percent, in other words, of professing Christians are either woefully biblically and historically illiterate or they're heretics. So is the leaven of the Pharisees a threat to you? Are you watching out for it? Are you aware of that threat? Legalism, man-centered religion. If you're not, be warned. You also need to be warned of another threat. You need to be warned of the threat of man-centered living. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and then beware of the leaven of Herod. Watch out for the Herodians. Who are these people? Well, Herod, uh, this, this, this Herod that uh, is, is mentioned in this verse is Herod Antipas. Does that name sound familiar to you? I hope so. It's, it's the Herod, the ruler of Galilee, the same Herod that beheaded John in Mark chapter 6. Remember that story? I preached on that about a month or two ago. Now, I've been a little bit longer but in Mark 6, we read and learned about the, the account of John the Baptist approaching a government ruler. Think about that now. What are the implications of that for today? He approached a government ruler over what issue? Over the issue of breaking a religious law. And that law was the law of Moses. He had approached Herod Antipas and said, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. He approached this pagan ruler regarding his immorality. So the leaven of Herod represents lawlessness, unruliness, sinfulness, debauchery, wickedness, deeds of the flesh, immorality, hedonism. In other words, the leaven of Herod represents man-centered living. Living for self. Living to indulge the flesh. Living to please your earthly members. That is the opposite of what Christians are called to do, right? Colossians talks about, if you have been raised up with Christ, put to death the deeds of the flesh. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1 says that we are to live in a way that pleases God. Now, for some of us who are really strong Protestant reform types, we, we get a little antsy when we hear that we need to please God. Because we understand that justification is a once and for all declared act, legal dec- decoration 
of our being righteous before God. We can't please God with our own works. Well, yeah, in your unconverted state, you can. But if you're a child of God, a daughter, a son of God, you need to be living in a way that pleases God. Not to earn your salvation, not to earn your sanctification, they're both acts of grace, but you should be living in a way as to please your earthly, your heavenly father because you love him. If you don't think about that, then you're living a man-centered life. So, I'll ask again. Is the leaven of Herod a threat to you today? Oh, yeah. 110%. Especially in deep blue Seattle. Let me again appeal to the Ligonier survey to illustrate this. The state of theology. You can look it up if you haven't read it already later after church. Let me share with you how some professing evangelicals answered questions about ethical issues. 44% believe the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply. 46% believe gender identity is a matter of choice. I wonder if they went to UW to get that answer. This is the worst. You ready for this one? 52% of professing evangelicals say abortion is not a sin. Let that sink in. 52% of believers who go to places like this on Sunday morning think a woman should be able to butcher her own baby. That's the leaven of Herod. Are you watching out for the leaven of Herod? I'm, I'm convicted myself just thinking about it. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So how do you watch out for Herod? Well, first of all, bad company corrupts good character. We, we need to have unbelieving friends in our life to witness to. But you should be more concerned about the church, fellowshipping, serving, learning, discipling, being discipled. Be careful who you hang out with. Be careful what you put into your mind. Garbage in, garbage out, right? Careful what you do with your spare time. I don't like Matt Chandler very much, but he did say something that really captivated me recently. He said a 
bored man is a dangerous man. Because when you're bored, you find something to fill your time with. And sometimes it's what the flesh wants. So watch out for the Herods. Watch out for the leaven of Herod. If you don't, you will be duped by this liberal culture into thinking that abortion is a woman's reproductive right. And if you get there, you'll stand before God and be the judge. We could go on and on about this, but I think brevity here is better. I don't want to take the sting of this truth. I don't want that to wear off, so I'll just move on. So why is it again, I guess to keep the big picture here, why is it so important to be aware of the warning of these two threats? Why be warned? Why why should I stand up here and take the time on Sunday to really drill down on this warning? Because if you don't hear these warnings, That can lead to earthly mindedness. Earthly mindedness. Look at verse 16. They began, the disciples began to discuss one of the fact that they were in danger. The fact they had no bread. They were so earthly minded that everything Jesus just said about the leaven. In one ear, out the other. Though they had come to understand the basic truths of who Jesus said he was, though they believe in him, they're following him, they are still blind to some spiritual realities. They're still blind to the dangers out there. So don't be like them in this way. Don't be blind to the dangers that are out there. They were more concerned about earthly things and heavenly things. Their thinking was that Jesus was talking about physical bread, but he wasn't. So, brothers and sisters, you know how we often act like the disciples in this way? You walk out of church Sunday morning, and all you can think about is the football game. You walk out of church and you don't even think about or talk about what was just preached. On to the next earthly thing. You spend more time working out, playing video games, whatever, and cultivating spiritual discernment. So how earthly-minded are you? If the Spirit is convicting you right now, just repent. Meditate on Colossians 3. Set your mind on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Heed the warning. 
Heed the warning that Christ has given you today. Be aware of your absent-mindedness. If you're given responsibility, don't forget. Christ didn't accept that. But more importantly, be aware of man-centered religion and man-centered living. So that you may guard your soul until Christ comes or he takes you home. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to preach and to, to, to be a, a voice, to be a mouthpiece, Father. Thank you. Lord, may you humble us and may you love us enough to discipline us, to get our attention, to, to warn us, to rebuke us of the dangers that are out there. Lord, we have so many people in our lives that are enslaved to either or both man-centered religion or man-centered living. Whether it's atheism, Roman Catholicism, any other ism, Lord. May we be watchful that they don't influence us, but may we influence them. Father, the people in our lives that we know that are enslaved to alcohol, to drugs, to sex, to everything under the sun other than you. May they not influence us, Lord, but may we influence them. May we not compromise what your word says. May we be gentle in our presentation, but may we be bold and courageous and stand firm and be strong like you've commanded us. And as we prepare our hearts to, to participate in this memorial service of the Lord's Supper, may we use this text to catapult us into self-examination, to repent of man-centered living, if there is any among us, and to repent of man-centered religion. And that's, that's, what, that's what our desire is, Lord. Thank you for this time together in corporate worship.